0: Welcome
1: to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Super delighted and excited to be back sharing with you once again in another weekly installment. Introducing you to some of my greatest friends on this planet. The people that I would be willing to share the stage, the spotlight for the free, the dream conference with people who, you know, th- there's a lot of people who would love to just say, Hey, Cliff, I'd, I'd love to speak at your conference. And in fact, I, uh, as soon as I announced the free, the dream conference, those, I, I, what do you call those invitations? Oh, cause the, the, well, I think invitations usually would be from me to them, but, uh, I, I had a lot of people who, who said, I would love to speak at your event. But I'll tell you what, there are very few people that I would allow to speak at my event. And I think I have chosen nine individuals outside of myself, one of them being my wife, Stephanie, which I believe you guys heard last week, we featured her. Uh, But there are eight other individuals that I am allowing to have the stage for 45 minutes to share a message with my community that I've worked so hard to build over the years and I am fully entrusting sort of my reputation and also uh, just basically saying, I believe in this person and what they're doing in the world. That, that's when I, when I am saying, hey, come speak on my stage, it, I take it that seriously. And I got to tell you, I'm super excited to tell you that one of those people is Daphne Scott, and she is on Skype with me right now. Daphne, how are you?
0: I'm doing really great and that is just so much pressure cliff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. The, 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 no, seriously. I'm honored. The the cool thing is is there should be no pressure because the fact that the fact that you have already been invited means that you've already met any y- Yes. Y- you, you you already are. The, it, you know what I'm saying?
0: I do. I do. And I'm just so blessed and humbled and um honored, you know, to be a part of it and I am such a huge, huge fan of yours. And there's, you know, just, there's just nothing but love over here. So I'm just really excited to be a part of it and watching your journey as well. And it's just, it's totally inspiring to
1: say the least. Well, thank you for that. And the purpose of our conversation today, we, Daphne and I do not have a huge agenda of topics for us to bring <laughs> out. We're we're literally going to have a conversation. The purpose of these conversations, and I'll say this each week when I'm introducing one of the speakers here in the show, um, the purpose here is to to give people an idea of of who these speakers are and how you show up in the world. Daphne, by the way, if you even want more of Daphne after listening to this episode... You could go back to episode number 517. This was last year in September when I was going through the early stages of the big leap. And Daphne, that has been an incredible, oh my gosh, it's been since September. That's been nine months now.
0: Which is so wild. I mean, I can't even believe it's been that long. It doesn't feel that long to me at all, actually. But I, um, yeah, nine months.
1: I do know that the crazy thing is, is that nine months ago, to to think that I would go nine whole months without making a single penny from <laughs> podcast coaching and consulting. How how what would life look like if if that were possible? And then I went cold turkey, and here I am nine months later. And, yeah, and and things are pretty pretty darn awesome. <laughs> it's worked out pretty well so far. It has, so, it has. Yeah. So, Daphne, uh, tell folks real quickly what is it that you do for a living?
0: Yeah, I um, you know I create um, leaders who want to be effective and have a great time doing it. Um, that's what I do. I support people in that in that world, their organizational life. People who work in companies primarily. Um to become better at being in leadership roles, more did, effective,
1: having fun. How did you get into that? Or well actually what does what, what does that look like? What does that mean? What like when you yeah. are when you are when you actually show up for people, what does that look like? Are you teaching classes? Are you one on one with people? Um what does yeah. that look like?
0: combination, actually. So I do some one-on-one coaching. That's a small part of what I do now. Typically, if I'm doing one-on-one coaching, it's with uh, leaders that I'm already working in their organizations, working with their teams. So um, it can be team coaching, some leadership coaching. My live work that I do in organizations is with team coaching and then also working at the culture level, working with them on their mindsets, mindfulness. So how I sort of bucket these um, is sort of in the transactional and transformational planes. So it's absolutely mindset matters, how people are working with themselves, their own um, ability to relate to their own emotions, take care of themselves, manage themselves is one way that we can we talk about it. But the other part of it is also sometimes leaders also just need some transactional skills. They need to understand like how to organize themselves well. You know, um, they need to understand how to delegate well. They need to understand how do I how do I conduct these performance conversations and do these things well. And so there's a whole host of the transactional skills that once leaders can start getting those on board and they're working on their own inner work, self-awareness, transformational skills, emotional um, capacities, um, they do really, really well. So that's what I love doing.
1: So you, you, I- you come into businesses with lots of employees. There's, an, mm-hmm. there's leadership teams. These people are uh, managers, vice presidents, HR directors, all of those things, and and you come in and teach them, train them on mindset issues on a various number of topics. How, yeah how, how how did you get into this line of work? <laughs>
0: Well, I was I was a really horrible leader. I uh, was assigned a team of people. I was uh, I think 29 years old. Um, So my previous life, I was a physical therapist. I treated patients for over 20 years. Still very much a a fan of that you know profession. Um, But I was you know, given my first leadership role, I had zero skills. I was in that role because I was a fairly friendly person could treat patients well, handle a lot of responsibilities in patient care. And I had zero idea what to do as a leader, you know, and as a manager and just made every mistake that you could make. Um, I probably did. And I, I, you know, thank goodness, you know, part of my world and, you know, what goes on on the planet, on planet Daphne over here is I just want to learn. I want to be better at things. I want to, I'm curious, you know, I want to know more. And so I, took it upon myself to keep looking for information and finding people that knew how to do this work and um, just kept doing it and found an amazing leadership coach guy and worked with this other woman who they are so very, very dear friends of mine and mentors. And um, they had some more of the transformational work, but um, then had transactional skills and I started reading Harvard Business Review and just found these models that worked really well. And as I started learning it, I was like, you guys, come over here. You have to know about this with the other people that I was working with. And before I knew it, um, developed a leadership development program in the company that I was working for at the time, became the director of leadership development, did that for a while, and then quit because that's what you do when you develop your own position at a company. You, <laughs> you then leave and go out on your own. <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, and did that. And then I just started doing it for companies. I was being asked to speak at events and work with teams and that sort of thing. And it, it just happened that way. So... That's how I started. I started through my own suffering, Cliff.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I love that. I, I so first of all, I, I hear a lot about this, this idea of people getting promoted through, you know, jump or climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. And yeah. I, I gosh, I was working with somebody one on one who said that what happens is you get these people, especially in in the world of IT. So you mm-hmm. get these people who are programmers, and, and they also do all these other things with the computers, the security and, and, and all that stuff. And what happens is you get these people who are in IT, and they every year they get uh, reviewed, and they get promoted, they get raises, and, and they go up and up and up. And before you know it, you've got somebody who's who's zone of genius, if you will, yeah. uh, is their zone of genius is working on computers and making those things sing and, and keep them everything up and running. And, and, but the thing, but there comes a point where it's like, okay, you've been, you've been elevated through the organization to such a point where the only next promotion is for you to actually now lead other people. Yeah. Uh, and these people yeah. get be, people get promoted to now they're the now they're the manager of the IT department. Yep. And not and- not once have they ever read a book or taken a class or even thought about the people skills of managing other people.
0: Yes, as a matter of fact, um and there there's data on this but the average manager is in their role for between 10 to 12 years before they get any sort of development training to really specifically do that part of their job. It's just expected. For some reason, we're just expected to know how to lead a group of people.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that
0: is, but we, we just are. Um, it's sort of kind of crazy when you think of it that way. You yeah, know? And so yeah. these
1: people get promoted up and they're excellent at what they were paid to do and and, and the work that they did, but they're not great managers, as you say. They go, yep. typically, you're saying it's an average of a decade, which is a long time.
0: A and long they, time. They
1: go a decade without any formalized training whatsoever. And what happens in most companies is those companies have major turnover. So, yeah. so basically, the, the, the other members of the team that are the subordinates of this manager become frustrated because this guy doesn't pay attention to me. He doesn't hear me or he barks orders at me. It's like (laughs) he he treats me like I'm a computer, you know? (laughs) Basically. So, so, so Daphne, you, you basically go in and help fix that in companies you by, by actually taking the leaders of all of these various departments that have been trained up and you're saying, Hey, let's, let's talk about how to, let's talk about how to take your skills, the things that you understand and see how we can apply that to help you understand the dynamics of, of the skill of working with people and, yeah. and managing yourself.
0: Yes, which is a huge part, you know, of, you know, we lose sort of, I, and I, I just did a show um, that will come out um, on my podcast. But, you know, we lose sort of the spiritual side of leadership, which is, you know, you're, when you're put in the role of having a certain level of decision rights, right? Like, so as a leader, I have decision rights about who gets on the bus and who gets off. For example, you know, hiring and firing, I have decision rights typically about how we're going to use two of our most valuable resources, which is time and money, you know, and so I'm directing people and what I'm dealing with when I have a team of people working with me is I'm dealing with all their hopes, their dreams and their aspirations, too. And so, you know, managers, people who are put in these leadership roles, it's like they're held accountable for a certain level of results that they have to get. They have to get work done through other people. <laughs> and then I have to be, able, you know, be very wise at the same time about how I'm doing that. I mean, no one is really comes into the world prepared to do that. We just aren't. And um, for some reason I get put in these roles. So what really excites me is being able to offer solutions to especially companies. You know, I work with a lot of some, some larger companies and sized companies that they've grown over time and they've put people in these roles, but they don't have any, any sort of program available for people. They don't have any tools that they can give them. And they might bring in a consultant one day, but there's nothing that really can address some of the tensions that they have, which are they have a current leadership team. And then what happens is people come and go or the company starts growing and they have to put new people in, in, these, seat, in these new seats um, and they don't have any way of scaling A lot of their training. So I get really excited when I can work with companies who are ready for that and leadership teams who are excited about that um, because I can offer all those solutions to them and it really creates a trajectory shift for them over time. It's really, really good. Yeah. So
1: So one thing that I heard earlier in a statement that you said that really jumped out at me, I mean, it it like screamed out loud. It's like, wow, (laughs) oh my gosh, I I hope people heard that. And that is the fact that here you were—you were one of those people, a physical therapist—and you got promoted mm-hmm. to a position that now you're managing a team. And I—I I, I don't know if you said I sucked at it or I, whatever you said. What did you? I wasn't—I
0: like to say it this way. I, I did say I probably sucked at it, but I think it's better to say I wasn't very skillful.
1: There we go. So <laughs> so that, so I—I did, I did not have the skill set for managing these people. And here's the interesting thing: you did not go a decade without any training, without any yeah, learning, and 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 this this is one, by the way when i think about why why daphne scott why why does she get to speak at free the dream and not other people and and so here's here's one of those little caveats this is one of those things i like about daphne and why i know that she's a great example for people to follow is here you got you you found yourself in a position where the the atmosphere and the environment of of what was expected of you did not align very well with your current skill set. And a lot of people who are in that position become very frustrated and annoyed and they get angry at the people who hire that 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 put them in this position. They start shifting blame everywhere and 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 stuff like that. And and they basically withdraw from any further growth and they're on the either on the lookout for a different job or they do what is the absolute minimum to just get by, you know, to just keep Mm -hmm. the wheels turning, but not Daphne. What Daphne did, what so few people do is you went and started reading books. You went and hired a coach. You went and started going to conferences (laughs) to learn this stuff. It's the fact that you were willing to invest in yourself in your personal development and personal growth. I want to ask you, in those earliest days, tell me, tell me what books or resources most reached you.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, well, you know, this is back in the day, right? So um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was huge. I can tell you one of my favorite books to this day um, that I didn't read for many years later um, is Getting Things Done by David Allen, um, this was just, you know, and this really lives in there. It's a very um, applicable book in terms of actions and in terms of getting yourself, quote, organized. And, you know, his, his book is Getting Things Done, The Art, which I love, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. But how this really showed up for me is it became a, it became a real mindfulness practice for me. You know, when I'm organized, like, I know what's on my list. I've cleaned out my email inbox. I, I know where things are at. I know what's living on my next actions list. I relax, You know, I can be ready to. This is the title of the second book, but ready for anything. So that was a book that really was a game changer for me, Um, and just the principles behind that um, were so helpful. And then um, a purpose-driven life was in that mix somewhere. That was a really big one for me. Um, Trying, I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head. Yeah,
1: we we, this (laughs) wasn't prepared. People know, so that's good. (laughs)
0: i was just kind of coming up um and there were many psychology books that i read um that i got into you know really the world of positive psychology flex um learned optimism huge by marty seligman he's out of the university of pennsylvania that was just a really big one
1: park right there on that book for just one second i yeah. cuz i've not heard any of the, any of these books just learned cuz that that title just dr- like jumps out at me T- just tell me yeah. do you, w- if you could give me like just a an overview of, of what is learned optimism.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Marty Seligman wrote it, Dr. Seligman wrote it from, you know, he was, he even admits in the beginning of the book, he was a real pessimist, you know, he's kind of a crabby kind of guy. And so he was learning about how do you become more optimistic? Now it's kind of funny to listen to me say that because no one would probably accuse me of not being probably optimistic. But what I learned from that book that was so valuable is more the art of flexible optimism. When is it, you know, optimistic people, optimistic mindset, they they show in research that people who come to optimism um, tend to do better in life, they get, you know, more promotions, they tend to have better relationships and that sort of thing. But they also can be that sort of part of our world that doesn't see reality so clearly sometimes either. And so, but you don't want to go through life being always pessimistic, even though they show the people who have more of a pessimistic mindset see reality more clearly. So what he talks about in the book is having a sense of flexible optimism, um, you know, when is it really helpful to be optimistic about things and how optimists really see the world versus how pessimists see the world? Um, an example, just as a point of illustration, I don't want my, and he uses this in the book, I don't want my um, airline uh, pilot when I'm sitting at Chicago and it's January and it's snowing, I don't want him being optimistic about not de-icing the plane a third time. <laughs> I want him to be pretty pessimistic about what could go wrong, right? Like, take the time to de-ice the plane. Oh, it'll me.
1: be fine. Let's just go <laughs> T- two times. two times is good. Let's let's get out of here.
0: <laughs> it'll be fine, you know. So we don't exactly. Let's just we we, we got to push back from the gate and get be on time. So yeah, we don't want that. Um and so when he talks about, you know, what an optimistic um they can talk about an optimistic explanatory style, what that is. You know, optimists will see the difficult times as not permanent, which is beautiful. Uh, not pervasive, it's not going to affect every part of my life, and not personal. So mm. it's not, it's not all about me, you know, when the tough times hit. And I think that's a real um, beautiful way to look at, you know, the, the, you know, I'm a big fan of the law of impermanence anyway. So, um, you know, really being able to see the world do that. And then, um, but then how pessimists see it, you know, is that everything's permanent. This is going to affect every part of my life and it's personal. It's against me. You know, life is against me.
1: So, so. if I can just jump in here. So th- by the way, uh, none of this was planned. <laughs> I, I by the way, prior to this conversation, when was the last time you talked about and thought about Learned Optimism, that book?
0: Oh, I I can't I don't know, Probably, you know maybe January or something. I, yeah, I'm so, to
1: so <laughs> it, this isn't something that was. So what I here's this is the illustration that I'm going for. Check this out. So okay. what I love about Daphne is that. She goes out and she reads, she studies, she learns, and she personally grows. And here's, yeah. and here's what I love. When I'm in relationship with Daphne Scott, I have access to all of the education and experience that Daphne has ever taken in. See, I, I I, was able to just pull that out. I just learned. Now, the thing is, is I could go in and read this book, Learned Optimism. But ju- let, let's just say, for, for example, I don't. Yeah. I still benefit from the fact that Daphne did, <laughs> and so did each and every one of you, which is why she became so valuable to companies. Why This is why she beca- – I'm sure somebody saw a lot of that in you. and But when you got promoted – you got into this leadership position. You instead of getting frustrating, sh- shifting blame on all these other people. You know, wh- th- you went out and you learned, you studied, you grew, and as a result, you became a more effective leader. People yeah. started to get excited. You had a team that was like nothing else, and people in your company said, "What is it that's going on here?" What are you doing? And is there any way that you might be able to sprinkle a little bit of your Daphne fairy dust on some <laughs> of the other teams in our business? Because they, they are not experiencing the success that you are. And so yeah. then as a result of your taking the time to learn and to grow and to, to study, um, you, you get elevated to a place where it's like, hey, why don't, you just cre- why don't you create your own position in our company and you tell us what it looks like?
0: Yeah, that's essentially what happened, right? Yeah, essentially. And, you know, the part of the story, I, I have not told this part of the story very often, but I if I can sort of jump along, because I think this really fits in with, with your Free the Dream conference. Um, well, I know it does. Um, you know, I was a partner in the company, actually. We were a very large physical therapy company, so I was a, an invested partner. Um, I, was, I had a couple titles at the time as the Director of Leadership Development. I also was a regional manager and was with our key executive team and was about to be promoted to vice president. Into a vice president position, and I resigned. And I resigned full well knowing that I was going to lose um, a good majority of the money that, you know, the, the opportunity, if you will, of the the next sale that we were going to go go through, which would have been, um, to be quite honest, millions of dollars. And I resigned, anyway. And the president of our company at the time is incredibly generous man. He said, you know, you can keep your investment because I I resigned with the intention of staying on in a consulting role because I loved doing the leadership development. What was also true is I had all of these other responsibilities that I knew I was no more, no longer, um, energized by, you know, they just weren't mine to do any more of operational things that don't, came along with that.
1: Don't blow over this. People, <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to make sure people are resonating. You, you had an invested position you it you did. were about ready to go to vice president i mean it this this is big, but you felt you felt like there was something more that you needed to do in life and you you had a quote unquote dream inside of you of going out on your own and and, and basically being able to do the stuff that you've been doing in your business that you love the most and basically shedding off all of the other stuff you, that just doesn't give you energy yeah and and you, know, and you were willing to potentially Give up millions in pursuit of of what basically would suck the life out of you if you didn't go in the other direction. Yeah, I, and, I you know that, again another <laughs> thing. This is this is this is exactly why Daphne's okay. So c- tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's just it's funny because I hadn't really I don't I haven't shared this story. I mean, I, there's honestly there's only one other person I have actually ever shared it with, and it was um, your good buddy that you introduced me to, Ray Edwards. Mm. And so I hadn't, you know, really, and and what's really true is I hadn't, I hadn't made sense of that experience in my life for a while. It took me probably a year um, to really sort of look back and go, you know, you actually were putting all of that at risk. Like you didn't really know. And I didn't. And then, you know, as we were, I, I will never forget the moment. Cause he's like, well, you know, you can keep, cause it, how I resigned was just, you know, look, it's this the role that I'm in isn't really mine to do. I'd love to, I'd love to just stay in a consulting role and just take care of the leadership development here. That's what I would love to keep doing. And he said, oh, okay, that's different. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Um, and um, he said, well, you can keep your investment here and you know, you'll stay in this consulting role. So I was again, an independent contractor at that point, still doing the same program, but not doing any of the other stuff. I had no idea. I really, I really was certain that I was going to be bought out at a much lower rate um, at that point, And, and that wasn't what happened. And I think what the universe taught me in that moment, truly, was that when you get really aligned, and you're really clear about what's important to you. And, and you're also, you know, I, I loved the company that I worked for, I had no issues with them whatsoever. You know, what I started to feel really um, out of integrity about with myself was that I, I was holding on to all of these other parts. And I wasn't doing them well, because I didn't want to do them. Yeah. And and that wasn't fair in a sense, you know, for lack of a better word, right? Equitable probably would be a better word. Um, but I just started to feel really out of integrity with myself around that. It wasn't fair to the business. It wasn't good for the business. And I can't tell you looking back, you know, what, what I was about to become in the business was really not helpful <laughs> because I wasn't keeping track of all the operational details. You know, I could feel myself slipping further and further because I just wasn't alive. wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So it just, you know, that the universe taught me a really valuable lesson there. And that, you know, it's like, wow. And I showed up really aligned about, really clear about what I wanted to do. There was no, there was no blame. There was no criticism. I never felt like anybody was holding me back from doing what I wanted to do. It, it took me a while. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> wake up one morning going, I'm going to walk into his office and resign, you know, and it wasn't the, that was not the way it happened at all. And once I got that clarity, I was like, oh, okay, this is really, this is really what I love. You know, I love working with teams. I love working with leaders. I love, you know, supporting organizations to build these things and, and working with them on their mindsets and their skill sets. And, um, you know, that's just what I want to be doing here. So if I'm going to hang around, I want to hang around doing that, you know, and it's time for me to go out on my own and, and really do that. So I was just, you know, it was, it was very risky at that time. And I was really willing to risk it. I had no idea what was going to happen. And it, it turned out great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And and we're all glad that you did, I'm sure. So, (laughs) absolutely. It it kind of reminds me, could you imagine me right now, Cliff Ravenscraft, sitting in an office, uh, owning my own insurance agency?
0: No, not in a a million years, no.
1: And it's crazy because, let's see, I, I left January 2008, so it's been over 10 years ago. Yeah. And my dad just sold the business last year. So Really? Yes. Now, my dad just sold the business last year in 2017. And the paperwork, be- before I even left, the paperwork was already in place that I would own the agency next. And by the way, guaranteed millions of dollars a year in income.
0: Yeah. Guaranteed. For sure. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. I
1: I walked away from it. I knew it, it it wasn't potential. It wasn't even contingent upon it. It it was, this is a guaranteed path for millions in in income. And I'm like, listen, this thing is sucking the life out of me.
0: Yep. And that's what was happening for me too. You know, I wasn't, I was so, you know, when I look back at that version of myself, I was, I had this one part of my life that was so life-giving, but a majority of my life wasn't, you know? And I, I just remembered, I mean, Cliff, I can't even tell you, I remember how unhappy I was like in my head, like how much complaining I would do to myself. And I gained, we haven't even talked about this. I gained about 30 pounds, you know, in a very, in a relatively short period of time. And it was stress. It was, I just was unhappy. You I was not thriving.
1: This reminds me of a conversation I had this morning. Well, it was I call it a conversation. So <laughs> I, well, what was it <laughs> and, hold on <laughs> yeah that that was a great setup so now, people so tell us cliff about this conversation, conversation. air quotes <laughs>
0: okay
1: okay' it's, it's not as it's not as bad as what you might think all right so okay. I go to the gym this morning at planet Fitness I walk in the door and okay. these people ba- these people have a script It's like good morning you know how are you blah, blah, blah. you know so it's like how are you and I say this guy says how, how are you doing today and I say I am doing awesome thank you how are you doing today? He, and he looks at me and goes, it's Friday. And, and, and I'm like, cool. and I, I, I may have given him a, I don't even know if I gave him a thumbs up, but I, I'm like, it's like, well, I asked you, how are you doing? And how is it's Friday an adequate response to that? Yeah. And, and so I'm already, you know, I, it, it, that was kind of like in passing and, yeah. and it got me to thinking, it's like, oh my gosh, yep. wow. Do you know how much that communicates? It's yeah. Friday.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: What I'm living that, for the weekends. I'm living for the weekends. That's more than seventy percent of this guy's life that he is throwing away. Yeah. Wishing away five days a week so that he can get excited about. Well, it's Friday.
0: <laughs> I think I wrote a blog post about that. Actually.
1: Oh, you know, man. it is.
0: It's such an experience that people have. You know, they're just not enjoying.
1: Well, and, 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 and it's, hard, it's hard for me today because I, yeah. I'm so far removed from that. But when I was in insurance, I, I couldn't wait for Friday. It, it yeah. was like, and quite okay, quite I'm going to just be truly transparent and authentic. The reality is, I didn't get excited about too many Fridays. Yeah. Because I found myself going in and working on the weekends and, right. and all that other stuff. So for me, it's like, I'm, if you would ask me, and if I was actually eventually getting around to kind of quote unquote coming alive and getting excited, it would have been more like, well, it, I'm going on vacation next week. <laughs> you know? So I, I didn't just live, I, I wasn't living for the weekends. I was living for two weeks a year.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That'd Imagine seem- that. No. Well, I can. That's not fair. I can imagine it. I mean, I lived it. And, you know, there's a part of that that I don't ever want to allow myself to forget, you know, like that's the learning, right? It's sort of like, okay, this is what that, that's what that felt like. Mm-hmm. That's what that life looked like. That's what that version of myself, you know, that's how that version of myself showed up. So it's a really nice you know, relatively speaking, relatively, um, you know, friendly learning, you know, some people don't have such friendly learnings,
1: you know, but if we go back to our earlier selves back when we were miserable and and unhappy and we were living for the weekend, the reality is, is we, we knew people, we knew people like us today back then. yes, You know, yes. We, we knew people out there that that wake up and they get up at five o'clock in the morning because they can't oh, yeah. wait to start their day. And it's like, how freaking annoying are those people?
0: Yeah. And you know, and here's the thing, not only annoying, but here's the thing that you start to like, I, you know, I had the hardest time really taking like believing. And it was, it was a literal mindset thing, believing that you could really create your life the way that you wanted it. Yeah. It was the big, and I watched my friends. I mean, I was so blessed that I had this community of people at the time that really were doing that. And I would watch them and especially one of my, my dear, dear friends, Jim. I mean, this guy doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Yeah, He doesn't. Gay Hendricks actually, who wrote the big leap. Mm -hmm. Gay and Katie Hendricks are like that. You know, I I met them and I, and I'm just like, who do these people think they are? (laughs) Like what? And just, it, that, was the, that was my big leap, actually. I was like, oh, wait, I actually am making all of this up and I can create this the way that I want to create it. Yeah. That was the biggest, honestly, Cliff, that was one of the biggest things. And it was that moment, my first real, you know, sort of taste of that was that moment in that office when I said, I just want to stay on a consulting role. And the universe handed me something that I had no, I mean, I had no idea that that's how that was going to play out. Yeah. And that was the moment I was like, okay, this is weird.
1: <laughs> well, it was the first time you said, well, this is what I want. Yeah. And yes. I'm, I'm willing to go for it.
0: Yeah. I'm willing to take the risks and go for it in a way that, you know, feels really good to me and, you know, feels friendly. And yeah, it was. So, it, you know, it is something when we see people, when we look at our other versions of ourselves and we knew people then, I loved that you said that, like, I did know people. I think that's what, you know, kind of pulls us along in a way you're like, okay, really? You know, and I met you on that journey, you yep, know, really early on in my journey, um, met you and learned podcasting and, you know, was watching you. And I'm like, is this guy, kind of, this guy's kind of crazy. And then I kept following you, and I was like, okay, but he's also awesome. And then I kept you know, just, and he's a great teacher and he's a wonderful human being. And, you know, I'm like, wow, I was really just creating this. And I remember listening to your show. It was when you shut down your, um, Oh, it wasn't a mastermind. It was something that you shut down. That was like, a, it was another time of your life when you plus shut membership. Down yeah. yes, 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 yes. yes. And it was generating revenue for you. And I just, I remember listening to that show and I was like, wow, this guy really, when something is no longer of service to him, he just lets go of it. You know, I mean, I don't mean like you woke up one morning and you just, you know. And
1: and, and, and the important thing is when it's no longer in service to me, it's not that it's not in service to me financially because all the things you're talking about, they're generating. I mean, we're talking like uh, the earlier version of Cliff Ravenscraft, let's go 15 years ago. You know, I, there are people out there that struggle to make thirty to $60,000 a year. But, yeah, what, yeah. but what you're talking about, and, and I've done this multiple times, there, the, 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 there was a $28,000 year stream of income that I one day just decided, you know what, no more. Uh, yeah. I, I did a, one that was a $62,000 stream of income. I did a $140,000 stream of income. And then September of last year, I gave up a quarter million dollar stream of income.
0: Yeah, now you're just getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> it is though. It's it's amazing, right, to yeah. watch. But it, when, and I love what you just made that clarification. It's like it's not like it's not in service to my bottom line. It is. It, but when it's not, when it's no longer of service to you, being in your genius and doing what you're real, giving your real gifts to the planet and what brings you alive. Just watching you, and it's it's a real, you know. Again, we can find these. I think that's why we need to have. You know, I need a Cliff Ravens craft in my life. You know, like yeah. We need this and that reinforcement because it really, it really is part of reality, I and a, it can happen.
1: I have a friend of mine. I won't say any names, but a friend of mine has been reaching out to me recently and saying, "Oh my gosh, he's been asking me all kinds of questions about the gym that I go to." And and then, and I sit there, and, and so he goes, "Yeah, I, I just got to figure this thing out. Um, the The only way it's possible for me is if I get up at like four o'clock in the morning." I was like, "What if that's not true?" Yeah. What it, And, and th- <laughs> by the way, this friend of mine actually makes a great amount of money and, and has, I mean, he, he's very successful. But the reality is, is the thing is, is he's just not willing to let go of some of those things so that he could put his health and physical fitness uh, first.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's like, Absolutely. you know, what? why don't,
1: why don't you just take one of those things that is consistently weekly every single week, taking 10 to 15 hours of your week and just shut it down. Stop it. Yeah, stop it stop <laughs> it that frees up 10 to 15 hours a week in the middle of your day and you yeah. could you literally could take a two and a half hour lunch break and go go work out the at a, at the gym and then go and have lunch and then come back and you don't have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, it's not. Yeah,
1: by the way, it's kind of fun to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, and go to the gym, but you don't have to. It's it's that language. And
0: that's it's the language. It's the have to language. You're so on to that, too. It's like, well, I have to do it this way. And you're like, you know, question your story. Is that really true? It's just not. And you know, anytime we're coming into something with a have to, you're just you're trapped. I mean, that's just you're there's no energy in that, you yeah. know, for you at all. Yeah, I have to. There's no have to's. I yeah.
1: I, I you know, one one more camping out in the fifteen years ago or whatever. <laughs> uh is, re- this,
0: is this clip with the mustache, by the way? Oh, that, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love the mustache. I think you need to bring that back just for a little while. You know, uh, there's no. like Mo- Movember. No, that, no.
1: That <laughs> is never coming back. And do you know how many people begged me to shave that thing off? And I'm like. You know, Did they really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had hundreds of people like you should shave that thing off, dude. You look. I, they. they they said some really terrible things, but <laughs> oh, but it was, you know, I had this, strangely enough, this is applicable yeah. you, this mindset. I had this belief that without a mustache, I wouldn't be me or I would look funny. I would look weird and... Yeah. And, and also, and it didn't come out until recently. I did a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago called, um, what you believe about yourself will determine your outcome. And it's that whole weight loss journey. It was a two hour marathon podcast episode, but I actually talked about the fact that my, one of the biggest things that stuck with me as a kid and why, uh, um, I always thought of myself as a fat person was mm-hmm. the fact that I got joked about as a kid, I had big fat lips. And, and I, although, you know, today I I look at myself and I'm like, man, I, 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 it, it, I don't care. I look at myself and I think, man, I, I, I'm not that bad looking in the mirror, you know? <laughs> no, so, you're not at all. So, so <laughs> which I wonder why it's hard for me to even say that, you know? But you really, you really were struggling there for a I minute. was, <laughs> but, but it's like, you know, wow, I look good today. Um, yeah. And, and the thing is, is though, I For the longest time, I, I felt like, well, I've been told every single day for, you know, f- however many weeks of the year there are in school, from second grade all the way through seventh grade, I was called, well, I was called a really bad name, but it, basically I was told that I had, I had fat lips. I was conditioned to believe my identity. Cliff Ravenscraft has very fat. Lips, and you can cover a lot of that up with a big, huge, honking mustache on top of them, and it kind of distracts from the fat lips.
0: Interesting. That was your strategy. That was my it worked strategy for a while.
1: <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't know if that's how how relevant that is. it is relevant. It's all relevant it because it's it's about how we what we believe about ourselves. Yes, but but what I was going to say though is um, I remember when people would ask the question, and tell me if anybody ever asked you this question, if you ever got annoyed is not an, is not strong enough I was okay. I was angered by this question okay and people would say if money were no object what would you do for with your life what what? if money were no object what kind of work would you do and I'm like who what money is always the every but, 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 what how? do you mean what All right <laughs> how will I feed myself yes yeah Anyway, I, I don't know. Did you ever have anybody pose that question to you, and you just get frustrated? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, a little or bit. Do you They'd remember? Say it differently, do you remember what you're talking about with yeah.
0: <laughs> I would like to have a place to live. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny, right? Because I'd be like, well, if money were no object, I'd be a world class surfer. You know. Well, I don't. I don't know that I. You know. <laughs> I don't really have the they, the skill set to develop myself into being a world class server. you know. So they sort of
1: K- Daphne. Let's let's explore yeah. this for a second. Okay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you, if, if my, actually that's
0: not true, I do have the skill set to be. I am a surfer, so that's probably not a good example.
1: Well, I was I was just wondering if that was joking or in jest because yeah, it, yeah, I, was I joking. okay, good because because yeah. because my because here's what I know about Daphne. Let me give you a
0: more extreme example.
1: Well, you can give me an extreme example in just okay. a second because I, okay. but I just want okay. to say this because yes. I, was, I was about ready to challenge you on this because if, if, the, if somebody asked you that question, if money were no object and you truly answered that to the truest extent of that yeah. question and you said, well, if money were no object, I'd be a professional surfer. What I know about Daphne Scott is that if that were true, you would actually today be extremely well paid and one of the most <laughs> famous <laughs> professional surfers out there.
0: Yeah, that is true. Actually, that is true about me. You know, it was funny, even looking back when I became a physical therapist, I had zero money. I mean, I came, my family, you know, I grew up really below the poverty level and I had no idea how I was going to put myself through college. I had no idea where I was going to get money. Um, applied for every scholarship and grant, humanly possible. Thank, you know, God bless my father for helping with endless amounts of paperwork. Um, and put myself through college and became, I had no idea if I could even get into, you know, I had scholarships. I knew it was relatively smart. I knew I could handle the coursework. But getting into physical therapy school at the time was incredibly, you know, competitive as it is now. And I was just committed like that. I didn't, as a matter of fact, this is really funny. I didn't even apply to more than one school when I applied to get my physical therapy. I had no backup plan. I applied to the one school (laughs) and got into the one school. I had no, you know, I could have not even gotten in, you know, I just didn't, it never, you know, there's probably a little bit of nativity there, but I just didn't you know, that was what I was going to do. And I didn't know how I was going to make it. I didn't know how I was going to get the money to do it. And it just, I just kept going, you know, I just kept going. So yeah, you're right. I would, anything I would set my mind to do, I would find a way somehow.
1: You still, do you still feel like you need to talk about the more extreme example? No,
0: I don't. We can move on from that. Cool. Thank you. No problem. So, (laughs)
1: um, so let's, let's forward, uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, So you, You ended up uh, dropping the vice president option. You decided you became a consultant in that business rather than an employee, freeing up your schedule, making yourself the master of your own destiny and all in multiple other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. And, um, And you've opened yourself up to the opportunity of doing that type of work, not just for the business that you were previously associated with, but now... Uh, you had the freedom and the flexibility to do that type of work, that, that management training, leadership training, uh, skill development for other teams of other businesses.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And yeah. other things, you know, um, my podcast, which I love, two podcasts now, actually, um, that I love. And do, I do a podcast for uh, a company that I do a lot of work with, Confluent Health, and um, oversee all their culture and help, you know, I'm a part of that. And I get to work with these other companies, and it's amazing.
1: Yeah. I th- okay. I don't want to go too far down this road. Okay. But I'm only willing to do it because I know there's so many people because, you know, my audience, there's a lot yeah. of them that are podcasters. Yes. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of them that are looking to find some way to get their podcasting to actually make the money. When, when I'm, oh. I, I prefer talking about how to build a business and allow yes. your, your podcast to be a marketing arm of your business. But there, there are still a number of people out there. It's like, is there any way that I could actually take my skills and understanding of the world of podcasting and generate income from it? So let me ask you this. Are you generating income as a result of doing a podcast in this, in this position of, uh, for this other company? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, so they um, they they really they asked me to bring this. They had already had two other podcasts. This is this is in the healthcare field, and really wanted the part the part that was not showing up with their other two shows because they were very clinical driven. Was really the mindset part, the psychology part. Um, and so it's it's um, on the Evidence and Motion platform. It's uh, leadership from the inside out. Nice. So yeah, so thank you. Um, so I, I talk about you know what it is. That, what is it for be, to be a leader in your life? You know, leading your life as well as if you're overseeing teams, what is it to lead there as well? And that's a lot with the, the, my other show, um, Super Fantastic Leadership Show is similar. I cover all the topics in there, though I could get into the transactional stuff just as much as the transformational stuff. Um, but yeah, it really brought in that part of it. So yes. In that regard, I am being paid <laughs> directly uh, to add that po- podcast. And I do other work for them as well. So it kind of fits into the whole bucket. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. So, so just to give people an idea, you, you, you <clears throat> may want to market your skills in podcasting and, and talk to companies and corporations about ba- basically going in, and going in and creating an in-house uh, yeah. podcast solution for them.
0: Yeah. And so many companies now, you know, I think, again, this is sort of offering capacities to companies that they just like that. It's a good idea, but they don't have people that have the skill set that can do that. You know, it's like they want to they want to support their business. They want to get the word out or they want to talk about what their sort of um, things are that they do, but they just don't have the skill set to do it. So I think there is some there is a piece of that there. Yeah. Um, and I've heard some, you know, where companies have done them where they don't have skillful people doing them and they're not helpful.
1: <laughs> I know you just briefly mentioned the names of the two podcasts that you have. I, w- I want you to give a full on plug for each of those podcasts real quickly.
0: Okay, great. So my um, my show that's through my brand, my direct brand is the Super Fantastic Leadership Show. So it's myself and I have a co-host now, Marta, who is actually my assistant so what I love about doing the show with my assistant is that we talk about how we have to, um, you know, walk our, <laughs> walk, our, walk, walk our talk, you know, um, and we get to talk about where things show up in our relationship and how we manage those. And she just brings a real fresh perspective to, to leading and leadership in life. And then my other show is uh, Through Evidence in Motion. And that show is um, the uh, le- leadership from the inside out. And so I talk about very directive um, parts of our psychology and our mindset um, and how we lead and, um, um, and how we can lead ourselves better in life and lead te- lead teams as well. Cool. And that's much more of a healthcare perspective to it. Yeah.
1: Yep. So yeah. definitely encourage you guys to go check out Daphne's two podcasts, especially the super fantastic leadership <laughs> show. It is super fantastic.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Cliff. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say <laughs>
1: Well, let's transition uh, near our end here and and bring this to a resolution. You are speaking on the stage in Franklin, Tennessee, September 8th, and I am super excited to give you the stage to share a message with folks. You're going to be talking on uh, the relationships that are necessary. Is that right? On the entrepreneurial journey.
0: Yes, I am. Um, And I want to say, you know, part of what inspired me to talk about that is I had the sort of I have the sort of my one of my sort of parts of my personality that can you know white knuckle it through life and be kind of the lone wolf, and it was the relationship part of my life you know really bloomed as I was you know getting more out of out of my own and um, I just think it's so important that entrepreneurs know these sort of pieces um, and how important those can be for their for their own well being and the well being of others too so.
1: Cool. Well, yeah. I think we have accomplished our goal today just through this conversation. And th- this is the person that Daphne Scott is. This is who she is. This is how she shows up in the world. You guys come to the Free the Dream Conference, September 17th and 9th in Franklin, Tennessee. Yes. And, and you will hear from Daphne on the stage. She's going to absolutely give you insights that will help you achieve the dream that you have inside of you. And whether that's, you know, you're just trying to get ready to leave the day job, or maybe you're just starting to think, well, I wonder what I could do to even leave the day job. Or if you're out there on your own, you're, you're already, but if you're this lone ranger and you're struggling to do everything all by yourself, Daphne's message could, I, I, I'm going to venture to say Daphne's message will change <laughs> your life. Daphne, thank, thank you to. so much.
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. So great to be with you.
1: Well, there you go, my friends. That is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Daphne Scott is amazing, and it's going to be an incredible event. Uh, I will tell you, I am super stoked about all of the speakers that I have coming to Free the Dream Conference. More of my speakers will be featured in conversations like this over the next couple of weeks, and uh, make sure that if you want to come to the Free the Dream conference, that you head over to freethedream.live, freethedream.live, and get your seat reserved today, freethedream.live. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take every area of your life to the next level and never, ever quit your daydream.